the blood of Jesus is our victory today. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I personally, I want to repent of every sin of commission and omission that I know of and those that I don't see that you do see. Lord, let me see them. You said to the church of Laodicea, open, let me anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Because without it, we can't see. We can see everything and everyone but ourselves. And today we're not here to look at anyone, to judge someone else's behavior, lifestyle, or attitude, or activity. We're here to look within, to see ourselves today. And Father, as we see ourselves, we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you, Father, for forgiveness in, in each of our lives today. And we, Lord, confess every sin to you and ask that the blood of Jesus cleanse us from all unrighteousness and all iniquity, that we may walk in the light as he is in the light and have the permanent, powerful effect of the blood, the perpetual effect of the blood of Jesus applied to us. We thank you for what you did for us. Jesus, we love you back for loving us. The same night he was betrayed, he could have been thinking of himself. In fact, when he, when he began to talk to Peter about what was going to happen earlier, I must be given into the hands of men, Peter said, be it far from thee. Literally translated, it's Lord, think of yourself. You know what they're going to do to you. You know what they want to do to you. They, what they will do to you. Oh, Lord, think of yourself. Think of what they're going to do to you if you... Let them take you. You see, they tried to kill him one time, and he walked through the crowd. He just put on a cloak of invisibility. (laughs) The visible God that became visible in flesh became invisible in flesh to walk through that crowd. He said, and not only that, when Peter drew his sword to defend him, I could have told the legions of heaven, the armies of God, to deliver me. Put up your sword. Jesus was no victim on that cross. He went willingly for you and for me. So the same night he was betrayed, he wasn't thinking of himself. He was thinking of us and the day when we would call upon him and need a Savior. And that's what held him there for six agonizing hours when everything in his body He had a body just like yours and mine and everything in that body. I'm going to tell you, how how can you stand torture like that while the people at the foot of the cross are hurling insults at you? You're the Son of God. Come down. You're the great physician. You're the great healer. Now heal yourself. Every provocation to come off of that cross was given him. But Sean, he stayed on it. And the only thing that held him there, it wasn't those nails, those spikes. He could have called heaven's angels. It was divine love for you and divine love for me. And that held him fast to the cross until his last breath. And what he cried was so powerful. Tetaleste. It is accomplished. It is finished. In the practical financial world, it would be interpreted paid in full. Our sin debt, not the half, but the whole. Can you say, man, glory be to God 
So the night he was betrayed, and again, he's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of you and me. But the cross before him and people turning their back on him, the disciples ultimately went and hid for their own life and didn't stand by him. And the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, I have longed to eat this meal with you. It wasn't just that Passover meal. He came here to die on the cross for those, those, those guys that were so fickle when the pressure was on. And you and me, amen. I've longed to eat this meal that represents what I'm going to do for you. I've longed for this moment. I was born for this moment. So there was a joy in that suffering servant on the way to the cross. Can I give you the scripture? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Hallelujah. He broke the bread. Actually, he tore a loaf in half to, to be a type of what his body was going to endure before he was even impaled on that cross. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you as often as you eat this bread. Remember me. Remember my love. Remember my suffering, my sacrifice. Lord, today we remember. You may eat the bread. He put down the bread and he walked to the cups lined up, four of them on the, on the Passover table. They're already astonished when he said, this is my body. Now they're going to be taken back again by this statement. Because he picked up the third cup, which was the cup of redemption, celebrating their deliverance from Egypt. He picked it up. He held it high. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for the sins of many. As often as you drink this cup, from this day forward, he established what we're doing here in the 21st century. Every time you drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till he come. You publicly proclaim, I am saved today because Jesus died for me. And we proclaim it, Lord, and we thank you. Oh, the blood of Jesus, how we thank you. How we praise you, Lord. You may drink the cup. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. 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 I just want to praise him one more song before we receive our offering this morning. Have a little time in the Word of God. Hallelujah. I feel so... I, I don't know. I feel... I feel like God is just doing something special in every one of us today. I feel a cleansing of my heart and my mind. Hallelujah. I, my wife and I have been talking and praying about getting back to the innocence. Back before we saw so much, knew so much, back when it was just everything was glorious when we first became Christians. Everything was holy. Everyone, as far as we were concerned, were holy. Amen. We went to church and stood in awe when someone stood up and gave a message. 
we stood in double awe when someone gave an interpretation and we we knew that God through the gifts of the Spirit was speaking to us not only through the Bible, the Word of God, but He was speaking to us by His Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. We just enjoyed Jesus. <laughs> Every chance that we got, we, the Scripture says we joy in God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's just sing with this song. Give Him praise. If there's any other things, you can be dismissed for it. But we're going to do this, receive an offering. And, and in fact, we're going to receive an offering while this is occurring. Praise God. And, oh, wait a minute. i got to tell you this. This is offering stuff. If any man give this morning, let him give not grudgingly. And, and get this, not out of necessity. Religious duty or responsibility. God doesn't want it like He commanded it as part of a covenant in Malachi. Because if you're giving just because He demanded it and threatened you, if you didn't, you're not giving willingly and you're not giving cheerfully. And let me tell you something about giving in general it doesn't even begin with your material possessions. It begins with the whole of you. Somehow or another, the heart and the wallet are connected. Can you say man? <laughs> so everybody say Romans 12. Here's the provoking to love and good works. Here it is. Listen to it. I beseech you, brethren. He doesn't start out with a command. He doesn't start out with, with a responsibility. He starts out with provoking love because if a man loved me, he will keep my commandments and they won't be grievous. If it's grudgingly, it's grievous. If it's out of necessity, it's religious duty. If it's out of love, it's out of honor and appreciation and gratitude for the unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ to you and to me. Can you say, man? Brother Hobbs, we came out of old school Pentecostalism. And it wasn't just Pentecostalism. It was Baptist and Methodist. If you don't give, God's going to get His. He'll, we used to sing the song, and He's going to get it out of your hide. You know, you know where we were coming from. He'll set your fields on fire. I'm from Kentucky. Amen. If to sin is your desire. Amen. God's going to get His. So we were threatened. We were not rooted and grounded in love. God didn't get what He deserves, and that's our hearts. Heart felt not, not with eye service, even when you serve on the job, not with eye service as men pleasers, but from the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. God goes deeper. And this is part of the sermon today. It may be the sermon today. Amen. God loves what kind of giver. And it's in every part, whether it's taking up your cross and following Him, offering your body a living sacrifice. He wants us to do it from the heart. Have you ever wanted to bless somebody and they gave you the opportunity to bless them? And they said, would you, would you, would you, my car is broke down and, and I need a, I need a ride to work. And you love them and you want to bless them. And now you've got an opportunity and they say, do you think you could just take me to work? I'll buy your gas. I'll just this one time, I'll get it fixed. I'm, and, and you know what your response should be? I'd be glad to. I walked all the way from Temple Terrace 
out near the Hillsborough River at Fowler. I walked all the way to East Lake Mall when it was in business to Sears to get my car out. Told people I walked from there at church the next Sunday, and they were mad at me. You know why they were mad at me? Why didn't you call me? Pastor, why didn't you call me? I didn't want to impose. I didn't want to bother anybody. Well, listen, you don't bother people that love you when you... Amen? And sometimes they tell me when I'm pushing too hard to use wisdom. I think someone got a hold of me after a service, (laughs) followed me to my car, talked to me about wisdom. And I preach this, but, you know, applying it, you need somebody else to kind of, you know, reflect it back to you, make you think about that. Amen? But if a man love me, he will keep my commandments and they won't be grievous. If any man give, let him give not grudgingly, nor out of necessity. The Old Testament is part of a covenant. New Testament, it's all about love. And it's all about a willingness. It's all about heart stuff, not just head stuff. And religious responsibility. And if you're not serving the Lord out of love, I'm going to tell you, you are a sourpuss this morning. I love you, but I'm going to tell you the truth about it. If you're not serving Him out of love, it's a burden to you. Ho! You that labor and are heavy laden. And what were they laboring with and heavy laden with? A religious system. That demanded obedience, not out of love for God. They didn't love God and they didn't love people. The two greatest commandments that keeps the whole law and the prophets, they were not doing in that religious system that Jesus found. They didn't love God. They didn't love people. It was an exacting, they'd stone you to death. And think they're doing God a service when they did it. Amen? It was bitter. It was hard. They wanted him dead. Pilate said, I don't find any fault in him. I have no problem with this man. But they threatened to go over Pilate to Caesar and said, there's a man claiming to be king. He's going to bring an insurrection. He's going to bring a, cause the Jews to rise up against you. And so Pilate, under political pressure, went over and washed his hands in a basin, trying to absolve himself of the guilt of condemning Jesus to death. But you know what he thought? He thought if they beat him within an inch of his life, if they beat him until he is so bloody and beaten, there's no way that they would want to hurt him any further. They will be satisfied. So after the beating and the scourging, they brought him out. And the Bible said in the book of Isaiah 53, when we saw him, he was repulsive to look at. That bloody, gory man beaten like he was, it was repulsive. When they saw him, when we saw him, there's nothing that we should desire him. Can you say, man? Have you ever seen some scene that turned your stomach? I've had impressions made on me. I worked for Tampa Electric down near the airport. And I remember there was a young man on a motorcycle. A, a truck had a pickup truck had stopped because a car had stopped, and the man on the motorcycle hit the back of the pickup. He laid it down. He laid the motorcycle down, and but he went up under the truck and it crushed him as it 
as it went under him between the truck and the motorcycle. He was crushed under the truck. And there had been a wreck, and that's why the whole thing happened. We were called out. And when we got there, they had just taken the body out from under the truck. But it was on a little bit of a hill. And I never knew there was that much blood in a human body. I just couldn't get over the puddle that had run from under the truck to, to puddle. And I saw all of that blood, and it repulsed me. It just, I thought, I don't want to look at this. I don't want to see this. And I don't see how people stay on the job that deal with that kind of stuff day in and day out. When we saw him in the condition that he was in, there was nothing that we should desire him. But we did consider him stricken and smitten. He must have been the greatest sinner in the world for God to allow this to occur to him. Pilate thought it would appease them. He said, behold the man after the beating, after the cat of nine tails was laid on him and jerked back and and it tore bits of flesh from him. In Psalm 22, prophetic of what Jesus would go through, it said, my, my, my tongue cleaves to the roof of, roof of my mouth. And that's why he, being dehydrated, he cried on the cross, I thirst. And you know what they did to appease that? They took, the Roman soldiers took vinegar and gall, a type of cheap wine, and they put it on a sponge and they lifted it on a stick for Jesus to get moisture in his mouth. And you know what Jesus did because he was paying a sin debt? And he couldn't deaden the pain. He couldn't do anything to relieve the suffering and pay our sin debt. If he had, the sin debt wouldn't have been paid in full. He couldn't say it's accomplished until all of the wrath of God was poured out on him. And Jesus refused it. But he was thirsty. And, and, and for the Son of God, and very God incarnate, to say on the cross, I thirst. That means he identifies with you and me because he didn't hang there as a deity, though he was. He hung there as a man forsaken of God. Everybody say a man forsaken of God. How do you know that, Brother Venable? Because he said on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, which being interpreted as my God, Eloi, my God, Eloi, why hast thou forsaken me? You know what he said in Pilate's Hall when all of his friends forsook him? My father's always with me. He's right here with me now. He's, 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 he's my, my Father is always with me. But when he, beca- he that knew no sin became sin, not a sinner, he still was immaculate and holy, but he, he took our place. That, that was the whole sacrifice deal. You get a lamb. You get one without spot and without blemish that is totally innocent. Deserving of nothing but loving. And you take the lamb 
that is pure. And you take it to the temple. And you know what you do when you get to the temple? Before you hand it over to the priest to be slain and offered as a sin offering. You lay your hand upon its head. You know what that was representative of? My sin. This lamb deserves no punishment. This lamb has not sinned. This lamb is pure. This lamb is humble. and This lamb is pure. My sin is transferred to the lamb. I should be the one that's being punished, but the lamb is going to be punished so that my sin can be forgiven. And to put that into practical application, if we were standing there while he came down the Villa Della Rosa and he started up the hill, we would walk over to Jesus bearing the cross and put our hand on his head on the way to the cross. My sin, my sin is transferred. I ought to be the one being punished. God's wrath ought to be on me. I am a sinner. But my sin is being transferred to Him. And He's going to suffer the wrath so that God could be justified in forgiving me. You see, God forgives without violating His holiness. His holiness demands His justice. He can't be holy and not be just. And the Bible said not only are, is He just, but He's justified in forgiving us because He's doing it because Jesus took our place and took our punishment on the cross. What a, what a gospel. What, a, what, what we possess today. Amen. I don't know how your financial condition is. Amen. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what your, your, I don't know how your personal life is working out. I don't know the battles. I don't know the hurts. I don't know the scars that you bear in your heart. But I know what you have in Christ. Amen. And I know it transcends. If you won't focus on your pain and your heartache and your heartbreak, and you will focus on Him who took that for you, I guarantee you your heart won't stay broken. I guarantee your pain will not keep pouring bitterness into you and hurt into you. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Because there's something that is immovable that doesn't change no matter what circumstances change in our life. Can you say man? The cross stands and the cross cries out. You are loved with a love that's greater than the world has ever or will ever know. Who am I that a king? Oh, it goes beyond that. That's a great sentiment that someone as low as us a king would bleed and die for this is not just a king this was God who created us the king of kings and the lord of lords very God and very man saying so he could save us I thirst and they offer him the cheap wine Vinegar and gall in a sponge. And instead of slaking his thirst, maybe a little bit of alcohol in it to help with. But you know, there are some pains that are so excruciating that they can't deaden it. 
And the pain he was experiencing could not and would not be deadened, and he wouldn't touch anything to deaden it because he was paying a sin debt. And the wrath of God was burned up in him. And when it burned out, he said, It's accomplished. It's finished. Hallelujah. What I came as a baby in the manger to do, it's done. Hallelujah. And the Bible said, and now this sounds wrong, but you've got to understand, he was here representing the love that sent him here. It pleased the Lord. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. Did God get pleasure? Absolutely not. He heard the cry of the one he said, I'm well pleased with him. Hallelujah. Father, why hast thou forsaken? Not one time did Jesus ask to come down. But he let us know what he was experiencing. I'm not dying with what every one of you as his children are going to have when you come to that place. I'm not dying with the comfort of the presence of my Father. I'm dying as a sinner forsaken. When we saw Him, there's nothing that we should desire Him. The Bible said His visage, His image. We see these beautiful pictures of Jesus. And and I'm glad we don't show all the gore, but you see Him on the cross and the artist takes a dot of red for each hand and a dot of red for his foot and maybe a little bit of red over his brow. That's not how it was. Visage marred more than any man's is. There's no one that's still alive and conscious that looks like this man after the scourging and the beating that he received. Prophetically, it said his bones stare out of him. Because the cat had shards of metal or shards of pottery in the end of it. The braided leather with shards of pottery. So he wasn't just getting... When it says with his stripes, you think of what happened when your grandma whooped you. Anybody have a grandma that ever whooped you? You, you, You did not have my grandma. She would holler one time for me to come home. Bobby! And I knew where the whooping sound come in. Bobby! She went up an octave. And when she hit two octaves that I can't even do, it was too late to run home. <laughs> come on. You know that. Bobby! I'm playing. I ain't listening. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear. Bobby! Oh boy, that third octave that I can't hit... I knew it was coming. She was waiting. She would come to meet me running home. And all the way home, <laughs> I'm going like that. <laughs> I told you to come when I called you. And look on the back of my legs, my short pants in Florida, little red whelps. They're all up and down there. But I survived. So it says, with the stripes you were healed, we think of those little red welts. The cat of nine tails wasn't like that. When they hit him with it, these nine braided pieces of leather with pottery on the end of it, pieces of metal, it wrapped around his torso. 
And when they yanked it back, it tore flesh from him. Particularly right in here in the rib cage. So prophetically of him, it said, my bones stare out of me. It meant it had tore enough flesh from his side that you could see his rib cage. That was before they nailed him on the cross. That was a preliminary beating before the six hours of agony hanging. His visage was marred. How can a man take a beating like that and stay conscious? How can he be beaten like that and live? Oh, they didn't stop there. They started by hitting him, blindfolding him, and taking sticks. And beating him. Hitting him in the head. Hitting him again. Prophesy. Tell us who hit you. And it didn't stop there. they They have a replica. And you can't handle it. In the Christian bookstore, it cost about $100. It's in a, in a box, and they put it where kids can't reach it because they're going to get hurt with it. And it's the crown of the kind of thorns that they put on him. And the thorns are this long, and I'm not exaggerating. And when they wrapped it, walked over to his head, they stripped him of his robes, and then they... they Pushed it down until, and that's why the head, when you get hit in the head, it bleeds, bleeds profusely. It's this thin, the thin skin and the capillaries are just beneath the skin. And the blood poured down his face. It poured from his back. It's pouring from his sides. And then they hit him with the clenched fist. They didn't slap him around a little bit. They hit him with the clenched fist. So blood pours from his nose. His lips are busted. And Pilate brings him out to that bloodthirsty crowd and said, Behold the man. Aren't you satisfied with what has occurred? Do you want more pain and punishment exacted upon him? And what was their cry? Crucify him! We want Him on the cross and we want Him on there until He's dead. And we want Him to suffer before He dies. We're not satisfied. And here's why. If you want to know historically, spiritually, politically, if you want to know why the persecution has been so intense, it's not just because a Messiah came out of Israel. It's because of what they cried. Pilate, if, let me tell you something. If you're concerned about God or punishment, or for, if you think He's innocent and you're, you want to absolve yourself of responsibility, His blood be on us and our children. Amen? The Bible said if they, if they suffered death under the law, as punishment under Moses. Of how much sore punishment shall they be worthy who have trodden underfoot the blood of the everlasting covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ? Can you say, man? God didn't want that curse on his chosen people. 
God didn't put that curse on them. They called it down. You got to be careful what you're calling down. Come on, you got there are households right now that I can't help. There's some households right now that God loves them, but he can't help them. You know why he can't? Because they've invited it. They've opened the door to it. They refuse to shut the door. They refuse to repent. They refuse. They refuse. They refuse. His blood be on us and our children. That means it's generational. It's not going to stop with that crowd on that day. It's going to run the bloodline. I said it's going to run the bloodline. I said it's running the bloodline. Thou shalt be hated of all nations for my sake is about the Messiah being born. The dragon persecuted the woman that brought forth the man child. The woman initially is Israel, but it, be, it, it goes beyond that because we are spiritual Israel today, so the church is part of that hatred of the enemy. Amen. But the rejection, the treating of the precious blood of Jesus and all of that suffering to just wipe your feet on it, His blood be on us and our children. Let me tell you about every person that's going to hell today. And more are going to hell than heaven. You won't hear that in many circles. But that's what Jesus said. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leadeth to, to life. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. One of the biggest shocks is going to be so many church people are going to be lost. How do you know? Because of what Jesus said again. Many. Here's that word again. Many shall be lost. And many. And here's the religious crowd. Sitting in a false security. In a church where there's no conviction of sin. No preaching on sin. There are preachers today that boast in the fact that they never preach on sin because people come laden with burdens and they just need lifted up. No, people come lost and they need saving. And a Savior has paid the price to save them. You owe it to them to give them the offer of salvation. I don't care what kind of big house they live in. What kind of big car they drive. I would want to be in their shoes on the day of judgment. Can you say man? The apostle Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Not just the parts that are trending in the church today. The parts that are culturally relevant, politically correct. No, I'm going to tell you everything God said because I care about your eternal immortal soul. Can you say man? The Apostle Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. There was a passion with the compassion. He said, people without Christ are going to stand before God and be judged without mercy. Without mercy, because mercy has been offered and mercy has been rejected. And the day is coming. It's called the day of the Lord. And something else that seems out of place in Scripture. 
The great men in the book of Revelation, the small men, the tall men, the rich men, the poor men, the bondman, the free man. In other words, everybody across every class and culture cried into the rocks, cried into the mountains for death. But more than just kill me. See if there wasn't anything after death, but there is. But they said, let that mountain fall on me and do one thing. Not just kill me, but hide me from the face of Him that sits upon... See, you can't stand in your sin before a holy God and find any mercy having rejected His Son. Hide me from the face of Him that sits upon the throne. When John saw Jesus, he didn't see the man they put on the tree. Amen. He saw the glorified Son of the living God and said his eyes were not the eyes that you and I are going to see when we see him because he's our Savior. Those eyes of, of passionate love, those eyes of kindness and goodness and welcome and acceptance, they saw something else. When he comes to judge, his hair is as wool. He said, I heard a voice behind me. It sounded like Niagara Falls. It sounded like a force so strong it can take a mountain and move it out of its place. And I whirled around to see the voice that spake unto me. If you're looking for the Jesus that rode the donkey into Jerusalem that let them put him on the cross for our sake that's not the Jesus that is coming back to this earth can you say man that is not the Christ that is coming back can you say man his hair is as wool he's the listen the Bible said that the father because he paid the price he's the one that's been rejected it's his blood that's been trumped on he's committed all judgment to the son can you say amen? So when he saw the sun, he saw hair as wool. Eyes as a flame of fire. That's not x-ray vision like Superman. Yes, he can look into your heart. But this is not that word in the book of Revelation. we got to have a study in the book of Revelation. Because number one, before the Antichrist, or the bold judgments, or the trumpet judgments, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah! 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 I used to preach on seeing Jesus as you've never seen Him before. Because if you see Him like John saw Him, amen, you're going to see Him like you've never seen Him before. His hair is as wool. His eyes are a flame of fire. The actual Greek says fiery indignation. You know what's going to happen when He comes and He stands upon the earth? Not the rapture, the catching away, but when the second coming occurs. Every eye. And God doesn't have to do a supernatural miracle for that to occur. Because satellites, if there's a world event, it's going worldwide. It's going on the jumbotron in Times Square. It's going around the world. They're going to hear the two witnesses. They're going to hear their words. They're going to see them killed and raised from the dead. Can you say, man? This time is coming. And listen to what they said. Anyway, before we get there, his eyes are a flame of fire. 
I've committed all judgment to the Son. So we're either going to meet Him as our Savior and our Sovereign, or we're going to meet Him as our Judge. And people have this, this misconception that rejecting His sacrifice, His love, and His blood, that somehow He's just going to let us in. That, that somehow we're going to circumvent receiving Christ as our Savior. There's a doctrine out there now called universalism. And you know what it is? Jesus died for the sins of everybody, so everybody is saved, whether you accept Him or whether you do not. And that's a lie right out of the pit of hell that's going to help a lot of people sitting in churches and, and temples. Amen. Can I make it real plain? That's a lie right out of the pit of hell itself. And I don't care how many people follow that preacher. I don't care what kind of car he drives, whether he's on television or not. It doesn't matter. We're talking about souls and eternity and truth. Can you say man? And if the blind follow the blind? It doesn't. Listen, you can have a hundred thousand people following a blind man and say, wow, he must know where he's going. Look at all those people following him. If he wasn't knowing where he's going, that many people wouldn't follow him wrong. There's multitudes in the valley of decision. And if the righteous scarcely... Except for His sacrifice, His grace, His love. Where, where's the sinner and the ungodly going to appear? What hope do they have? None. It's a fearful thing. But people are not afraid anymore. They blaspheme God with no fear. The Bible said there's no fear of God in the Old Covenant before their eyes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, the initiator, the starting place of all and this sowing and reaping law is in effect it said wisdom stands in the marketplace and cries to all see it's, this is made public so that people do have the opportunity they do know and wisdom cries for people to turn to God to turn from sin to come to God and he said, because you turned a deaf ear when I cried to you. It's the law of sowing and reaping. God is bound to it because he's established it. And the lawgiver will not become the lawbreaker. Because you did not listen when I called to you. You will cry unto me. And I will not hear you. You can't afford that. You can't afford that. That's what shook Jesus and took Him back when God is in flesh and God is astonished at man's blindness, stubbornness. What would a man give, Jesus said? What sin? What fleshly pleasure is more important than his everlasting eternal soul? What would a man sell his soul for?
when Jesus returns, he said every eye is going to see him. When he stands on this earth, not the rapture, coming to rule and reign, his hair will be as wool. His eyes will be as a flame of fire. He's not coming to save the world. He's coming without sin unto salvation for his church. But when he comes back to this earth, he's coming as judge. And they will cry. The the Bible said the whole world will mourn because of him. I can't think of anything better. I'm so glad I'm saved today. Hallelujah. Amen. How do you know you're saved? Because you would love him to come. Because he's not coming to judge you. He's not coming to judge sin when he comes for you. He's coming to take us to the Father's house. Hallelujah. He's come to take us to the marriage supper. Hallelujah. He's come to introduce us to eternity in a new body, in a new world. Can you say amen? To rule and reign with him forever. Glory to God. Don't ever hang your head because you're a Christian. Don't ever hang your head because the world is shoving you aside. Oh, hallelujah. Wear that persecution as a badge. I'm not ashamed, Paul said, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. How do you know that you're a Christian? We're not of them. We're not of them. We're not of them that turn back unto perdition. Come on, we're not of them. Paul said they're around. There's tares among the wheat. They're around. Amen. They went out from us, but they were not of us. Because if they were of us, they wouldn't have went out from us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 We're not of them. We're not of them. We're n- oh, yeah, a lot of people are turning back. But we're not of them. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, a lot of people are buying into false teachings. But we're not of them. Can you say amen? We're not of them. We have an unction from the Holy One. And we know the truth. Hallelujah. One preacher was so bold to say, I've been too many funerals where uh, my brothers are, uh, you know, are are said that they were lost. And and everything, so he buys into a way to have everybody saved. He doesn't know the terror of the Lord. It's not a fearful thing for him. It's just he's bought into it. And when a preacher's that blinded, he's going to lead people who want a way to heaven without the blood of Jesus. The problem with that is without the shedding of blood, there is no sacrifice for sin. And the only way sin can be forgiven is not making restitution, getting religion, turning over a new leaf. It can only be forgiven because a blood sacrifice has been judged in our place. Because God cannot and will not sweep it under the rug. He has no rug to sweep it under. He doesn't carry a broom around with Him. The blood of Jesus is what speaks to God. Can you say, man, when I see the blood, hallelujah, when I see the blood, 
blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, hallelujah, I will pass over you. The death angel won't hurt you. The death angel will not touch you because I see the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. Oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John says in his heart, he asked a question. Actually, the angel asked him a question that's escorted him through heaven in the book of Revelation. Who are these people? They're not, they're not part of our culture. They're not part of our language. Who are these people coming out of every kindred? Every tongue and every language. <laughs> and the angel said, I'll answer this. this is, I'm going to answer it for you. These are they. Out of every kindred, every tongue, and every nation. These are they that have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They're all wearing the robe of righteousness. That's why the devil wants to cross out of the centerpiece of the gospel. He wants to cross out. He wants to cross out the cross. And there are modern churches started 20 years ago getting rid of their hymnals. Because in that hymnal, it would say there is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge. Yeah, me and you, my buddy. Sinners plunge beneath the flood. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Can you say, man, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Oh, precious. Oh, precious, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's power, there's power, there's wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. Would you be free? Would you be free? Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. There's in the blood would you or evil a victory win there's power in the blood hallelujah that's not some vague Christian pop song to make money for a record company that's the truth of God a weapon Against the enemy of your soul. A consolation for the Christian. I plead the blood. I put my trust in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ and Him crucified. The solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Is sinking sand. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This gospel is going forth before that great and terrible day of the Lord. Amen. Malachi says it prophetically. Before that great 
and terrible day of the Lord before the tribulation period settles in to this earth before he stands and they cry for the rocks and the mountains before amen the waters turn to blood before the earthquakes take away every island of the sea can you say man before the sun uh, the, the, that thin layer around us that God put around us like a membrane around the earth that filters infrared rays before it breaks down and men are scorched with the heat and skin cancers come all over them. Amen. Before all of that begins to occur. Amen. Before the great and terrible day of the Lord, I will send you Elijah. And I don't believe it's the Elijah that was translated up. I do believe he will be one of the two witnesses. And he's going to preach. And it ain't going to be trying to get enough money up to get gas for my jet plane. Can you say man? Can you say man? No, I'm going to send you somebody in the spirit and the power of Elijah. They thought it was John the Baptist. Because they were looking for Elijah because that was the last thing they read. After 400 years, God hadn't spoke to them, but he gave them a promise. Before that great and terrible day of the Lord, the tribulation, the wrath of God, Jacob's trouble, I'm going to send you someone like Elijah. And he's going to bring a message like Elijah. He's not going to be hired by people. He's going to bring you what thus saith God. He's not going to worry about political correctness. He's not going to be job scared of losing his position. He's not going to bow to what is trending in the churches. He's going to tell you the truth. And he's going to see families come to Christ. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers. You know what that means? That's not just your immediate family getting all saved. It goes beyond that. It means that that bloodline of covenant people that we've dropped the ball. We've lost that, that precious relationship of being holy, separated people unto God. Therefore, He's keeping His covenant. It means, amen, down that bloodline, there's going to be a, there's going to be a paradigm shift. Can you say, man, hallelujah, the sons and daughters of Zion are going to realize who they are and what they have in him. And they're going to say no to this world. And they're going to say yes to his coming kingdom. Can you say, man, hallelujah, just like our fathers, our fathers, who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our hearts are going all the way back to the covenant God of Israel. Hallelujah. Amen. Who are you today? I'm glad you asked. You want to know who you are today? Amen. You want to know who you are? You're a Jew today. Oh, is Woody Allen your great grandpa? No, but you're a Jew today. Because he is not a Jew in the new covenant. By the lineage and the bloodline physically. But a spiritual thing has occurred. And we as wild olive branches. And some of you were pretty wild. And some of you still are a little bit. But God's working on us. Hallelujah. As a wild olive branch. 
you have been what? Grafted into who? The true vine. And he is not a Jew who is just Jew by lineage, but it's not the circumcision of the flesh in that old covenant, but the circumcision of the heart that marks us as his covenant people. Hallelujah. How many people in here are of the household of faith, regardless of your other lineage? They that are of the household of faith are Abraham's seed by faith. And the blessings of that covenant that God made with Abraham have come upon them. Woo! And you see, when someone comes with the truth of God and we see this conflict of kingdoms and we realize we don't belong to that kingdom, we belong to this kingdom. We don't bow to that king, we bow to this king. Can you say, man, and the hearts of the children are turned back to the fathers of the faith. And we come back into that, not the old covenant, but we come back into a New Testament blood-bought covenant. We start getting healed because he's Jehovah Rapha. And we start getting delivered because he's Jehovah Shammah. We start having peace like the world never knows or could never know because he's Jehovah Shalom to us. Can you say man? Hallelujah. We come boldly to him to pray because he is Jehovah Sikinu. He's our righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's our banner. We come to a victory. Instead of being victims, the hearts of the children are being turned back to the fathers. And we realize we've got a heritage. We have a legacy. Can you say, man? And we are fellow citizens with the saints. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But someone's going to come with a message that will be searingly hot to the sinful flesh. But it will be passionately loving to those that will turn to Christ and be saved. God has a message of consolation for His church and a message of warning to the world. And they appear simultaneously in Scripture. When the term is used at the end, I think it's in First Peter, Maranatha, comma, Maranatha, so consoling. Come, Lord Jesus. Isn't it amazing the difference? The whole world is going to mourn because of him. Cry unto the rocks and mountains, follow me. Cover me from the face of him who sits on the throne, and this almost seems like in our religious thinking, it's out of the, it is extraordinary. It, it's out of place. No, it isn't. Because Jesus isn't coming back like he came into Jerusalem. He's not riding a donkey. It's a symbol of his humility. He's riding a white horse. Can you say man? He's not coming to be spit on. He's not coming to be whipped. He's, he's done been there, done that in our behalf. That's not what He's coming to do. He's coming to take His rightful place as judge. Hallelujah. 
Hide us from the face of him that sits upon the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of the Lamb. The Lamb who humbled himself and was slain is now the judge over them who rejected his love and sacrificial offering in their behalf. And they have no excuse, no argument for mercy. It's a fearful thing. What it means to fall into the hands of the living God, it means to face Him as your judge and not your Savior. It's the most dreadful thought in the world. There's no horror to equal it. And yet, we barely know it exists in the modern day church who is more concerned with making people happy and comfortable and entertained to build our edifices that we say are for God while people are lost in our congregations. Many are saying to me in that day, Lord, Lord. You see, that's so phony. It's the simplest words to mouth. Lord, Lord. We know you. You're our Lord. Jesus counters that earlier. Why callest thou me Lord? And do not what I say. He's not talking about sinless perfection. He's talking about a rebel heart that has never surrendered, never had sins forgiven, who chooses sin over Christ every time the choice is to be made. And somehow we're trying to get him through a back door into heaven. There's no back door. There's only one door, and Jesus is the door. Can you say man? Hallelujah. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Amen. Nick, you said something good that somebody else said that was good. The reason he didn't have to pass through the walls or open the door to get into where the disciples were after the resurrection because he is the door. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 I am the way. I am the truth. Oh, Brother Venable, don't you think that is narrow-minded? It's a narrow gate, honey. Can you better get narrow-minded when you get thinking about your immortal, eternal soul? You better be very narrow-minded. Talk show host, what's his name? The guy with the glasses retired now doing commercials Larry King he's got a preacher on there and he wasn't one of the recent preachers that kind of mealy mouthed around he said and he looked him in the eye he looked him in the eye and says don't you think that it is awfully awfully uh, What's the word he used about Jesus? Don't, don't, don't you think Jesus was awfully narrow-minded when he claimed, I am the way? The only way to heaven is through him, don't you? See, today, pick your way. Today the message is, and the devil is promoting it, sponsoring it. Amen. Universalism. Take any route you want. You can choose any route you want. You can make Mickey Mouse a God. Amen. And worship Him and it all leads to the same, same God. The New York, this, this, this is disconcerting to me. New York bestsellers list. It's always about the light. The light. Someone has an out-of-body experience and sees an angel. 
They assume it's Jesus, and no marvel if Satan himself be transformed into an angel of light. But if an angel bring another gospel, honey, you need to get in this Bible. You're supposed to check the angel out. You're supposed to reject that angel. What is the word for that judgment? Let him be accursed. Anathema. The two words appear together in Scripture. Maranatha, anathema. To the church, Maranatha, even so come. To those who have rejected the message and the messenger and the blood offering of Jesus, anathema. Anathema. It's the strongest word for God's disdain and judgment in the Bible. That's why if an angel bring another gospel, trying to trick people into going to hell, thinking they're going to heaven, let him be anathema. Because somebody's going to hell thinking they're going to heaven, and if they'd been convicted by the Holy Ghost and heard the truth, at least they would have had the opportunity to choose. You can't pick what is trending in the church world in a day when the Bible said the church world would be apostatized. We're in the apostasy. So whatever's trending in the church, immediately beware of. This is not a pick and choose gospel. You have to take a stand. Who is on the Lord's side among you? Can you say amen? Fall on us. Rocks and mountains hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne. I can't wait. When we started ministry as I closed many years ago, there was a song that we came on with. It's a group singing, I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait. To look upon his face. I can't wait for that. I'm saved. I'm washed in the blood. He's my Savior. I don't dread that day. I can't wait. <laughs> Hallelujah. Till the trumpet sounds. I can't wait till he descends and we ascend. And somewhere between heaven and earth we meet him in the air. I can't wait to go back to the Father's house with him and see what he hath prepared for us. Hallelujah. But beyond that, I just can't wait to see Him whom my soul loves and who loved me that much. But to the world without, without Christ, it's the most terrifying, horrifying thing that could possibly be. And I saw a throne. I saw a throne. I saw a throne. Revelation chapter 20, I saw a throne and Him that sat upon it. And I saw the dead, both small and great. See, death doesn't, doesn't keep you from that day. I saw, the, I saw the dead, small and great. Everybody that's ever lived, that's ever been born. Amen. Everybody that is not. I saw the dead, small and great come out of the ground, come into some kind of a body that's, that can't be killed. So it has to be imprisoned somewhere and punished eternally because you can't annihilate it. I saw the dead come out of the sea. 
people that had died at sea and their, their, their body had been eaten by creatures and their bones had been deteriorated. And I saw people that went back to dust stand up. So you can't hide from this. The only covering is the blood of Jesus. Does that God exist? Does He even exist? Is this the God we're dealing with? Or has God got old and senile and forgot that He's obligated to judge the wicked? But He loves the wicked so much, He gives them an opportunity to be saved. But when you trod underfoot the blood of the Son that cried in your behalf, and you said, I'd rather have sin than salvation. I would rather have darkness than light. I would rather have my secret sins than to be clean before God. Lay my head down and know if I draw my last breath here, I'll draw my next breath there. And I don't have to fear the wrath to come. It was the message of John the Baptist. That's why they thought he was Elijah. Can you say man? Hallelujah. He preached about a coming wrath and they were running to repent and make the crooked path straight. Can you say that means the message of Elijah is going to include repentance. And salvation without repentance is not salvation. God can't forgive sin that isn't confessed and repented of. But today he does, according to them. I would get in my Bible because you're going to stand for yourself and you can't say, but that preacher said. Did you know if you get stopped for an infraction driving your car? You can't say I didn't know that. You probably didn't read it cover to cover, but you were given a driving manual when you first got your license. And it's all in the book. And, and you know something? We, 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 we got hornswoggled and hoodwinked. We bought a house. They said the payment would be one thing. Turned out the payment was another thing. We went to a lawyer to try to get out of the contract because they flat out lied to us years ago. He said, did you read the contract? Who can read the contract? <laughs> 18 pages and sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here. And then you, well, you should have got a lawyer. I can't afford to afford the house. How can I afford the house? I just bought tires for my car and they were used and I'm going to pay a lawyer. I can't buy the house and pay the lawyer so I just signed my name. You know what the lawyer told us? You didn't do due diligence. What is due diligence? Don't sign nothing before you read it and comprehend it. Make sure you know what this is all about. You look into it until you are completely, absolutely sure and satisfied. No, we did not do due diligence. And let me tell you who is following the false preachers today. 
is people who haven't done due diligence. But you get in this word, and I'm going to tell you, you may not know how to theologically defend your position, but something inside of you, when you got what Jesus said and what people are teaching, something what, the, listen, the faith is not built upon what's trendy. It's not built on modern day apostles and prophets. It's built on the apostles. It's built on the prophets. It's built on Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Can you say man? Hallelujah. So get a handle on this and do due diligence. And I'll guarantee double T you you will not be led astray hallelujah for thy word I don't care how dark it gets thy word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my pathway and once it shines and you see the path of righteousness, look neither to the right hand nor to the left. But what God has illuminated, what God has revealed, let thine eyes look straight on before thee. Can you say, man, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All of your spirit, can you find that, do you think? Praise God. I want to pray today. I don't know who to pass the baton to. Young preachers are coming up imitating and emulating preachers, amen, that don't know anything about the presence and the power of God. They don't know and have never experienced the anointing. They have a degree, amen, from some Bible college somewhere. And this is the offering song, by the way. Hallelujah. But God is moving. How many want to be in that pathway? How many want to be ready when He comes and looking? How many want Maranatha instead of Anathema. Hallelujah. It's going to be one or the other. They're placed side by side. Because there's only two categories of people on this earth. The children of the light and the children of the darkness. Can you say man? I'm rejoicing to be a saved man today. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise. Let's give Him praise.